0: All right. Hey, well, look at that. We are now at the top of the hour. Um, Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Thank you for joining another episode of Real Talk. I'm your host, Adrian Valente. And today we actually have a special session. We're going to be doing a career spotlight in automotive parts and services. This is a departure from some of the previous episodes we've done, where we focused on topics like COVID-19, how service drives are adapting to change, hiring best practices for service advisors and staff in the service drive. But today we're going to focus on inclusivity, diversity in the automotive parts and services space, specifically with female leadership. And that's why Crystal Pent is here with us. She is the district parts and service manager for Kia Motors of America. Crystal, thank you so much for for joining us today. Uh, so I, I'm going to get rid of this shared screen real quick so it can just be you and me here because that's why we're here. We want to hear about your story, your journey. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing today in your role with Kia Motors of America.
1: Uh, right now, we're still the company and like everybody else, we're still getting over this whole COVID-19 situation. Um, so the dealers, we're getting back into the dealerships, making our contacts again, but life is different. Um, a lot of everyone's wearing the mask when we go into the dealerships. We have to make sure that we're being quick and to the point and we don't want to put any of the dealers at risk and the same thing. So it's kind of getting back to normalcy around here in the eastern region, at least, but still not 100% back to the good old days pre-COVID.
0: We're getting there. We're getting there. Hmm. And how long have you been with Kia now?
1: Uh, Ten years. I started wow. it in 2010, and uh, so that I just reached my 10-year anniversary, which is pretty exciting. So, so
0: I went by quick, yeah. And I'd love to talk more about Kia. In fact, what I'd like to do first is go back in time a little bit and learn more about how you got here. So you're from New Jersey, and you went to Rutgers University, yeah. yeah. Now I, I, I see here you ended up in Southern California in San Diego working for Enterprise. I, tell us about that how did that happen
1: yes yeah, so i graduated college and i was kind of going through the same thing that most people do after college they, they struggling to get a job or figure out their identity and the last thing you want to do when you move home from college is go back to your parents house again you had your freedom you want more freedom um so i had a girlfriend that moved out to san diego and she called me up and said hey why don't you come out here and crash on my couch and get adjusted And i said that sounds awesome so I packed up a bunch of stuff as I could into my uh, red Honda Accord and drove across country. Um, Excellent. Yeah.
0: Taking a chance. I like it. That's yeah, a strong, strong choice. So uh, you got started at Enterprise. What were you doing with Enterprise Rent-A-Car?
1: Uh, Enterprise. I had a friend who was working at Enterprise at New Jersey, and she suggested it would be a great job. Um, I joined their management trainee program. And this was back in 2006, right after college. 2007 I started. Um, they have a great management trainee program. It's kind of a, they hire a lot of kids right out of college that are that have strong interpersonal skills and it's really kind of like a baptism by fire situation. They they teach you how to sell, they teach you how to work hard, they teach you how to just basic business operations. So um, it was a great opportunity for me.
0: Okay. So um, so you're in San Diego during this experience with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, uh, but then you came back out to the East Coast and ended up at New- in New York. You were working for Mint, Cars on Demand? Yeah. Tell us about that.
1: Mint Car. I got an opportunity to go out to Manhattan and launch a startup company. It was called Mint Cars on Demand. It was kind of structured off the Zipcar at the time, which Zipcar was really kind of um, on fire at that time. Zipcar was a car sharing program. So the, the gentleman that started Mint Cars On Demand, he had some, a lot of parking spaces, properties throughout the city, like New York City parking uh, buildings. So he actually started this car sharing program and he just needed someone to kind of help him build it and start it going, just making the phone calls, reaching the customers, helping with the marketing. So it was just me, him and a, yeah, a technician that was helping us put all the technology in the car. And, started from there. It was a really exciting opportunity.
0: Yeah, especially to go from such a big company and corporation like Enterprise now to a, a startup environment in New York. Um, so you did that for a little bit, but but what brought you to Kia after being at Mint?
1: Well, Mint got the opportunity to sell their operation to Action Enterprise. So now they, they sold their whole operation to Enterprise, that's Enterprise Cars. Um, so I decided that it was time to kind of, I wanted to look for something back closer to home in New Jersey. I was kind of getting beat up in New York City with the hustle and bustle of the subway every day. I just wanted a more uh, quiet life. So I um, a recruiter called me and they had an opportunity for Kia Motors working in the consumer affairs department. And they called me up and asked me if I'd be interested. They told me it was going to be a really rough rough job and wasn't sure if something that I'd be interested in, but if they wanted to, they took the interview up for me. And I said, okay, let's see how it works. And 10 years later, I'm still here.
0: Now, a lot of us on the line are are from parts and service. we got a lot of advisors, service directors, FODs on the line. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about consumer affairs? Like what was being a consumer affairs analyst at Kia? Like what did you do?
1: But Kia's model is they actually have they have consumer affairs um, call centers that kind of deal with the customers that are their call centers in Arizona and Texas, they kind of deal with the mass volume of calls. The customers are complaining about experience a dealership or um, a minor issue with the battery, I mean, something a low-level the call center sandal. But if it winds up becoming an escalated issue where it's perhaps a lemon law concern or might be a legal issue for Kia, or the customers so heated? Uh, before it goes to the our lawyers, the, the Eastern Regional Kia Consumer Affairs Department would handle these cases. So there was were highly escalated cases that you were dealing with.
0: Wow. And then from there, you transitioned into retail marketing, I'm yes. seeing. So consumer affairs and dealing with that, now retail marketing, what did that entail?
1: The retail marketing, that was a really exciting time because you're, you're helping the dealership, at dealerships, you're helping with the... Um, with the uh, tier one and tier two and tier three marketing, you're helping set up the events and getting dealerships engaged in what they're doing on their own marketing level and putting together all the sales challenges. And it, it's kind of a tailspin between the parts and service and consumer affairs I was dealing with. And now I was dealing more of the retail sales and marketing. So I think that the company does a really good job as they kind of want people to get a little taste of everything before they put you out into the field or as parts and service or sales rep for the company.
0: Nice. Uh, that is exciting. So you went from consumer affairs as an analyst to retail marketing operations as an analyst. And then you ended up as district parts and services manager. And it sounds like that's where now the recent couple of years have started. Tell us a, a bit about that transition.
1: I really got a, a good relationship with the dealers and the, uh, the fellow district parts and service managers when I was working in consumer affairs. Um, the opportunity came up where they asked me if I wanted to, the past came and said, do you want to go further with sales or parts and service? And I said, parts and service for sure. Um, I thought there was a lot more interesting. You're juggling a lot more balls. I, I sales is great, but it's it's wholesale and it's retail. It's kind of the same thing day in and out. It's great. And there's a lot of benefits to that. But parts and service, and you're dealing with a lot of different aspects. And it's definitely, I thought that was a lot more exciting in the back of the house and the front of the house.
0: Wow. So what do you find your day-to-day looking like now?
1: Now, I mean, like, in the last few months, you really had to depend on the relationships that I built with my team. Um, the, the relationships I have with my parts and service managers are great. And it's relying on them because for a few months, we weren't at the dealership. So we relied on them. It was phone calls or emails or Zoom calls. It was just really based on the relationship that we had to work together to figure out how we can get rebuild their business or rebuild their processes to this post, not post, but this new pandemic. It, the, the, the platform has changed. And how do we change together to regain their business?
0: Yeah. In fact, you know, and thank you for taking on us on a bit of a journey through your career. It's always interesting to see how people got to where they are today. And I'm, I'm curious, what skills did you develop in your parts and service career that you feel are most integral to the success you experience in your role?
1: I think that um, definitely you have to have a strong communication. You have to be able to communicate with people. Um, you also have to have empathy for them. I think you have to be... It's the balance of being direct, warm, empathetic, and confident. It has to build these relationships with my dealers. And I think a lot of it is them having trust in me and me having trust in them.
0: You know, what's so interesting about your story is, you know, you represent a small percentage of female leaders in this industry. And what are some of the challenges you face given that lack of diversity and inclusion?
1: that it's just I, you have to build I would have to uh, to gain credibility it's different I mean, I mean uh, you, you walk in as a male I think you automatically get a credibility that I think women have to work a little bit harder for just saying that um, a lot of guys in this industry that I work with I worked a lot of great district parts and service managers that have been in the industry for years that have technical backgrounds that have parts and service manager backgrounds that have have a whole other set of tools that I don't have so I think that I had to build and work a little bit harder just to build the credibility with my dealerships. That they trust me. Um, and I've relied a lot on the knowledge of my colleagues to get there. So,
0: you know, and I like the, how we're talking about relationships leaning on your colleagues. So I'm interested to learn about whether you've had, a mentor or maybe several mentors over the course of your career um, and how that might've helped you. Um, is, is there any mentorship that's part that's of your journey? I think
1: uh, one thing that like I have to go back to the, the current so the current 11 guys that I work with right now had been fundamental and just always been there for me to support me from day one. Um, just anything I need, I can always call on them, count on them. So they've been great. But one particular person was, um, who's now one of the only female executives in my company. At the time when I started in 2010, she was a national manager. And just seeing her as having, she had such a um, a strong presence, but she was able to be direct without being harsh. And I always, now she's, now she's one of a, a very fierce executive in my company and having her and seeing her early in my career as her having this big career, and also being able to hold the, the presence in a room, but she was also a mother. So I, I, it was a good opportunity for me to see somebody in their career that I could have it too. I could, I could do what she was doing. Like I could have these, these conversations with people and also have this great career and also be a great mom. So I think that it was definitely a lasting um, impact in my mind.
0: And, and when she first became your mentor, you were much younger. Was this before you were married or had children?
1: Yeah, yeah, this and... is back in 2010. So I was really new to the business. And she always did a great job. Her name was Michelle. Um, she always did a great job kind of reaching out to all of us and just seeing how we were going. Um, and even to this day, she would will, will call me just to check up on me, to see how I'm doing, just to talk, to see how everything's going. And having somebody who's that high up in the organization just that cares about you, was always, was huge to me. So I hope one day I, maybe I can have the impact on somebody else as well. Because so it's, it's a lasting memory. And I don't think she even realizes that she's had this impact on me. Oh, so.
0: <laughs> I hope she's listening in. Because uh, now, now here you are, successful, career, older and wiser, three beautiful children. Um, you know, the, the thing you looked up to her, uh, now you have. Uh, that, that must feel pretty special. Um, it is. And you, you made a comment about how you hope that, you know, you can inspire others. So I, I'd love to hear if you have any advice you can share with other uh, women entering the automotive industry, like maybe things you wish you heard or did hear that you want to pass on.
1: I think that uh, one thing, again, is not to be, yeah, don't be intimidated. It's intimidating field. You're working, with a, you're working with a lot of guys and they're great people you're working with, but it can be intimidating walking in to a room where you feel like everybody knows more than you, right? Um, And then also learn from the people around you. Learn from the people that you have. I'm sure at a dealership you have parts and service managers and service directors and GMs that have been in the business for a while. Try to learn as much as you can and soak in as much knowledge as you can from these group of people. Um, Having, I think, a mentor can be a critical factor in getting more women into the field. So
0: I'm, I'm, I'm interested about this um, because I'm sure we have some folks on the line and I've been in this position too, where I want a mentor and I'm not exactly sure how to approach them or what to say. And sometimes that, that fear or trepidation might cause a person to lock up and not explore that. Um, What would you recommend to like any advisors that might be on the line or, or other, other female looking to aspire into leadership positions. Like, what do you recommend for them in terms of how to reach out, what to say, that kind of stuff?
1: I think that the number one thing is don't wait to be asked to do something. Ask. If you want to learn something, if your service manager is in there and he's, he's doing some reporting and you want to learn more about how to use your DMS, just ask them, hey, can I just sit with you and shadow you while you, while you finish up your month-end reports? You know, I think that they'll respect that too. They'll be, they'll be happy to teach you. Um, so just reach out to the, the people around you, the tools you have around you. It's a game. I think that everyone, I wouldn't be intimidated by it. I think that people would actually really like being asked.
0: Yeah, is this what? You, where? Uh, sorry, <laughs> when you look at your career today, is this what you pictured for yourself ten years ago? No, not at all.
1: What, no, what no, were no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: What were you thinking back then? Back where was then, I, mean,
1: I Honestly, I went to college. I got a I, I major in communication, and I minored in political science, and I worked in a, a bunch of different political campaigns throughout college, and that's where I did my internship, and I thought I was going to hit the uh, Washington, D.C., and be some big shot political figure. So, <laughs> And this it kind of it's a great career, and looking back on it, I've been so fortunate to just I've kind of fallen into this great career path and I'm so blessed to have had these opportunities and I've had um, wonderful managers that have given me opportunities to proceed my career or move forward with my career. And I've, I've really had a great team around me that's gotten to me where I am today. And I'm grateful for that.
0: That's really great to hear in, in looking at the work you're doing today. Um, you were mentioning earlier that you spend a lot of time in the field and um, for some of us who may not be familiar with what that entails, can you share with us a little bit about what you're doing in the field, what that travel looks like?
1: Yeah. So the field for us is, is we I don't have an office space. I don't go every day to a nine to five. It's kind of, I think it's very exciting every day I'm traveling to a new dealer and I'm kind of, I'm a guest in their home when I'm there. So I'm going to their dealerships and I'm meeting with the parts managers, the service managers, the advisors, GM, dealer principals, kind of meeting with everybody to um, review you know, all their numbers, their, their objectives, their customer service numbers, how we can grow the business, what's their efficiency. Um, my job is I'm kind of the liaison between the factory and the dealership. I'm trying to give the best practices and tools that I've, and the numbers that I get from my company, bring them to the dealership and see how they can grow their business. But again their success is my success so we're all on the same page where I want them to be profitable and I want them to have high customer satisfaction and it's um us working together to move the dial
0: and, and you've been working in the field for a number of years now um, mm-hmm. how has it changed in the past couple months for you traveling to all these locations
1: yeah I mean um, it's definitely changed the customer experience has changed um, Everything. I mean, just think about now we're, we're not amenities. Amenities, we used to, as a factory, we used to look so much on it. Are you giving your customers amenities? Are you are you giving them rental cars? And everything now is any touch point of a customer has, has kind of been eliminated because customers don't want to wait at the dealerships. Customers don't want to touch your vending machine or go <laughs> into your rental car per se. So the whole landscape of the business is changing, and I think that in order to keep up we have to kind of go more now with technology if it's service lane technology or car ride sharing or getting the customers out of the waiting room it's everything wants every, customers want touchless contact now right
0: mm-hmm. yes yeah we're seeing so it right a lot it's, too
1: it's the wave of the future we're here and if you're not on board you're gonna get left behind
0: yeah and i imagine that when you're on site visiting you're Consulting a lot of different types of folks on the team. I imagine you're sitting down with service managers and directors. I'm sure you're ending up in the business office or accounting. And uh, do you also work uh, with the advisors directly as well? I
1: try to build the, budget of the advisors too. If it's just sometimes we will do some training with them, I want to make sure that they, there are a lot of them are seeing the same numbers as I'm showing the service manager. Again, a lot of the numbers are directed by them. If it's the customer satisfaction, how we can. Um, I said that the three things, a dealership that needs is, is people's processes and the place facility. So we can't really have too much impact on the facility. Um, process is something that we, that we can work with, but really people and training people and getting them used to the brand, getting used to use, use the system, giving them selling tools. That's kind of our job or my job per se is to kind of give them the tools they need to do their job better perform better.
0: So you get to do a lot of really cool stuff. Is there one thing in particular that you really like about your job?
1: Uh, I get a new car every fifteen thousand miles.
0: (laughs) What? (laughs) Do you really?
1: Yeah, that's always fun. So it's fun to drive the new product, and it's it's great to get that opportunity too.
0: Nice. Yeah,
1: that's a fun part of the job. That's that's Ah. a perk.
0: I'm a little jealous. That's super cool. He is, he is making some neat cars. Um, You know, uh, I'm seeing in the chat here, Christy says, hi, Crystal. And uh, Thomas mentioned that Crystal makes it happen. So it looks like you got some fans on who have joined (laughs) us. Um, You know, as you look back at your career and also take the time to look forward, I'm, I'm really interested to learn about, what inspires you or motivates you in your career?
1: Um, I, what motivates me in the career is that I, I like to see the, like everybody, I like to see the numbers move. I like to see a dealer that's struggling and how me and another person at the dealership, if it's a parts manager, a service manager, or the advisor, whoever it may be, is how we can work together and see the numbers move. And I think it's really satisfying to everybody once you start seeing the dial move, you you start you tweak the process and you can slowly start seeing the number go up. And I think that it's exciting for everybody. And it also helps build that relationship between the two of us because it's kind of a, everyone wants to see their numbers go up. Right. So yeah.
0: And now I just thought about this, but you know, in, in terms of going through the numbers and reviewing all that stuff, did your history as an analyst, really help kind of build to this part in your career where you leverage a lot of data, a lot of analytics, and turning that into a story that's actionable, provides insight and helps people grow. Does that help, that background?
1: Oh, absolutely, but I'm very fortunate that I get, our region provides us with a lot of great data. So again, I can take the data that they're giving me and I can break it down to what I want to show the dealer, but I'm getting a lot of that information handed to me that I can dig down to get to a number, to get to what's causing a root issue.
0: I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is nice. I'm yeah, <laughs> fortunate. very <laughs> fortunate.
1: I have analysts with that now, which is nice.
0: You know, when you talk about relationships and working with people, and you yourself are a female leader in this industry that can work with and inspire others, um, what advice do you have for other women in this industry looking to build their career? I know earlier I asked you about what do you, what do you advise for women entering the industry, but what about those that are already working in auto parts and service?
1: Get to know your business. Get to know where, whatever you're doing right now, learn as much as you can. Soak it in um, and listen and learn from your colleagues, like I said before. It is really important to take it step by step. Your career is just not going to you're not going to become an executive overnight. I'm not an executive yet. I hope to be there one day. like my with Michelle, but um, just take it day by day. And again, learn from the people around you, try to take it as much as you can and don't wait to be given something to do. Ask to it. Don't ask. Don't wait for someone to teach you something. Ask to be taught.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you on that. In, in fact, as we, you know, as we get to the end of this, I, I've, you know i've prepared questions i've asked you things i was interested in talking about and in a moment or two we're going to open up q and a for folks on the line to submit questions but i'd like to give you an opportunity if there's anything we didn't cover things you wanted to talk about i'd like to see if we can take that moment now to maybe bring up something i might have missed asking
1: i think right now if we're going back into women at the future of women in this industry i think right now is the time Um, We're starting to see a lot of changes. We're getting a lot more female representation in the automotive industry. Um, Right now, we only make up 27% of the automotive industry. But we have Mary Bra, who's the CEO of GM. We have Pamela Fletcher, who's the VP of GM for design. We have Trudy Hardy, who's the VP of BMW, I believe. So we're seeing a lot more women become executives in this industry. So I think that our time is now. I think women are seeing the value in it. And seeing the opportunity that it can have a career. Oh wow! Sorry, I reading the I comments. I got distracted <laughs> by distracted. Allison's
0: comment too. Allison <laughs> says, "What a passionate, well-spoken powerhouse! Okay. Indeed, you are, and that's why we're Thank lucky you. to have you on today."
1: But um, again, I think, they, I think that women are starting to see that being less intimidated by the field. I think a lot of women go into a dealership and they go right to sales. And I think we're seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot more female service managers, which is great. I'm yes. seeing a lot more female service advisors. I think that dealerships are trying to see that. Um, there's something very different about a female service advisor offers at a dealership. Mm-hmm. I think it's a compassion or a trust that women like to talk to other women. Um, so we're getting we're seeing a lot more women enter the field. I think it's exciting.
0: We're seeing it too. Uh, diversity and inclusion is really important to us at Sunbit. It's something we value and celebrate. Um, which was why having this opportunity to speak to you is so important to us—to not only align with our mission, but to also use this platform to help promote uh, female empowerment and leadership in this industry. Um, and in fact, one of the Q and A questions that was coming in right now—I'm going to go through the rest here in a bit—but one of those, uh, one of the questions was asking exactly what you just talked about. You know, what do you think the future of parts and service holds for women? Um, is there anything that women can be doing now to help empower others in this industry?
1: I would, um, I have to talk about their experience. I mean, yeah. there's different groups that you can join that just there's, there's, there's Facebook groups that you can join for women in parts and service or like different forms you can join to get support or over different obstacles. I want to do them myself just so I can talk to other females in the industry Um, If it's female service managers or fixed operations directors, I think that it's important that we have our own network as well to empower each other.
0: Excellent. Wise words to share as we wrap this up. Um, What I'd like to do now for our audience is now is a good time to submit any questions. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and look at the bottom of your Zoom webinar control panel. You can use the Q&A button to submit questions to us or you can use the chat functionality to submit questions to us as well. Let me go ahead and take a look at what's going on there. Hillary asks, I've been a woman in the industry for several years. I know this has posed some challenges, but what are your biggest challenges as a woman?
1: I think that it's just building, um, gosh, I would say I've always had credibility. I think that especially when I was younger in my career, I would walk into a dealership and I was in my late 20s and I was a young female walking in and telling somebody that's been in the industry for 30, 40 years, how they can do their job better, right? So they're, they're looking at me and saying, How is she going to help me build my business? So I think that just the number one hump is just to kind of show them, Hey, I can help you. Here's the tools that I, I have learned over my career that can get you where you need to go. And by doing that, if I don't know the answer to something, I a lot of times don't know the answer to certain things. I always just try to make sure that I get back to the dealer with the right answer or get them what they need as soon as possible. So just Building the credibility and the trust.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing folks deal with. Um, and I sense that might've been the case too early on in your career. Like, you know, who am I to be in this position or, you know, and you question yourself, but I think what we're learning from your story is put in the time, do the work and trust in yourself, be a sponge, you know, learn everything you can. And that experience in history will culminate in a successful career. Um, let me see what other questions might've come in here okay let me check the chat as well see if we have any there as well um, what is the thing in your career that has surprised you the most interesting question the surprised think- you the most unexpected maybe
1: unexpected I think that um, the amount of support I've gotten really, I really I've gotten a lot of support and I, I've worked with so many <laughs> one wonder- I've been through Gosh, I've worked through so many different dealerships and so many different districts, and the amount of relationships that, and honestly, the, the true relationships people that I like, I've worked with six years ago at a dealership that I still have communication with them, or they're having babies or grandkids, and it's a much smaller industry than you think. So it surprises me how many solid relationships I've built over the last 10 years.
0: You know, I almost feel like we can start tying a lot of what we've talked about together in the sense that, you know, for others looking to up their game or uh, align themselves in a leadership position, you know, reach out, connect with mentors, make it known you're interested and willing to learn. And I think that's the hard part, right? It's taking a chance, putting yourself out there, being open to a bit of vulnerability, um, It looks like that might be all the questions we have so far, but Crystal, thank you so much for your time on our first career spotlight with Sundance Real Talk (laughs) series. Um, I I just uh, am am blown away by uh, how wonderful... Uh, you've been on this experience. Uh, Everyone in chat saying really good things. Thank you uh, to everyone in attendance. (laughs) And by the way, for everyone listening in, you will be able to catch this on uh, our uh, podcast, Real Talk, which you can find on Spotify and anchor.fm. That'll be made available soon. Um, and of course, keep an eye out for any invitations on the future episodes of Real Talk. I'm Adrian Valente. I thank you for the time. Crystal, any last words for the audience before we go ahead and disconnect for the day?
1: If anyone has any questions, you can always call me, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to be a mentor to anybody. So
0: that's wonderful.
1: Adrian Uh, has my information. So if you reach out to him, I'll give it to you.
0: Sounds good. Crystal, thank you so much for your time. Much love to you and the family. Thank you
1: so much. I appreciate it.
0: Oh yeah. And thank you. Everybody else. Enjoy the rest (laughs) of your day. Have a great week.
1: All right. Bye, Adrian.
0: See you next time. Bye.